Welcome to an audio stream from San Marino Community Church, featuring our own pastoral staff and various guest speakers. In this season of Advent, there is a yearning and an expectancy of what God will yet do. Our text of Scripture comes from the Gospel of Luke, the 21st chapter, and I'm going to begin with the 18th verse. It reads, Now, when these things begin to take place, stand up and raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. And then Jesus told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is already near. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all the things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Be on your guard so that your hearts are not weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of this life. And that day catches you unexpectedly like a trap. For it will come upon all who live on the face of the whole earth. Be alert at all times, praying that you may have the strength to escape all these things that will take place and to stand before the Son of Man. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you join me in prayer? Great and gracious God, we come before you in this Advent season of expectancy and hope. And we come because you've promised to meet with us when we gather, where two or three are gathered in your name. And so we come to receive your word, to hear what you have to say. So speak to us now as only a living God can. For we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Perhaps you've heard the story of the mouse that was scrounging around in the streets of Los Angeles looking for food. And suddenly, out of the corner of his eye, he saw this cat about to pounce, so he quickly darted to the side and began running for his life. The cat was right on his tail, so quickly he turned a corner, and he saw a manhole in the street, and there was just enough room in that hole in the middle of the manhole for the mouse to jump in. The mouse did jump in. He landed on a ledge just underneath that hole and just out of reach of that cat. The cat reached his paw into the hole, and he could feel the mouse, but he couldn't grab him, couldn't reach him. And then the mouse heard this, and the pitter-patter of the cat running off. When the mouse stuck his head out of the manhole, the cat grabbed him pulled him up. The mouse turned to the cat and said, look, I know I'm a goner, but how did you do that? And the cat replied, if you're going to live in L.A., you got to be bilingual. (laughs) Advent is that wonderful season in the church's life 
when we hold our breath in anticipation and expectation for some fresh coming of God into the world. The church's calendar is marked by expectancy and preparation for God's inbreaking, for the fulfillment of God's promises. It's not simply the arrival of the Christmas season. This morning, thanks to the Gardner family, we lit the candle of hope, and it will take some kind of fresh inbreaking of the Lord to address the challenges we face in our world and in our lives. And followers of Christ have to have a new language, the language of hope. If you're going to live the Christian life, you have to be bilingual. We have to awaken from our slumber and our numbness in this season and according to this text. We have a cloudy vision of the future at best. Cynicism about our current situation is not enough. God is coming. God is coming either for us or to grab us, to redeem us or to judge us, but God is coming. Pray, says Jesus, that you'll be either able to escape or to stand before the Son of Man when He comes. This is known as apocalyptic language. It's used in our text, and it's strange language, really. Apocalypse means literally revelation. That's why the Apocalypse of John is called Revelations, the last book of the New Testament. It's unimaginably large language used to anticipate unimaginably important events. And the first coming of Jesus in Bethlehem is tied to his second coming. But at best, we can acknowledge that fact because it's so hard to understand. Wait, what? Have you heard this expression lately? According to the Urban Dictionary, this is, quote, the mantra of the attention deficit disordered. Wait, what? Literally, it means stop talking and start over. Wait, what did he just say? It's a phrase used to back the conversation up when you realize that you weren't really paying attention very much, you weren't listening. There's actually a book by that title. The apocalyptic language in our text about this future envisioned impending kingdom of God is foreign. We have to use different language to try and understand it. And I have to believe that the first to hear this parable of Jesus and the dis description had to say, wait, what? Things are not necessarily as they appear. To look only at things that seem to be close at hand is to miss the larger picture. So wake up, be alert, be on your guard. Your redemption is drawing near. Now, people can't help but wondering about the end of the world. We have predictions of global warming. We have stories of rogue nations with nuclear arms. And these are simply contemporary versions of how the world is going to end. And it's not wrong to wonder about whether current events 
have any indication or show any direction towards God's presence in life. At the time of the writing of Luke's gospel, it was the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem by the Romans that seemed to set everybody wondering about those current events and what it might mean in terms of God's fulfillment of his promises. The recent fires in California have left a lot of people fleeing for their lives, saying that it all felt like the world was coming to an end, some kind of an apocalypse. It's between the Lord's first coming in Bethlehem and his final coming, the Lord is continually invading our lives in small ways and in large. We tend to think that God is trying to preserve the world, so it strikes us as odd here that God is bringing an end to the world. And as for that end, well, it's kind of like hearing there's a tornado or a hurricane warning. The storm hasn't been sighted yet, but the weather conditions are judged to be conducive to just such a sighting. But still, I don't know what to do with this strange language, with words like these. So I dare not try to explain it, or adjust them, or apply them. Maybe I shouldn't do anything with them except just let them say something to us. We do know that when this kind of event happens, you don't have to worry about missing it. Everyone will recognize it. Some years ago, our daughter Molly and her husband Matt bought their first home in North Carolina, outside of Raleigh. The closing was set for a particular day, and they drove from their home in Washington, D.C. to Raleigh, North Carolina to sign the papers. It just happened to be that there was a hurricane bearing down on the East Coast at the same time. So as a father, I encouraged them over the phone to postpone the closing and then if the house was still standing after the hurricane, then you sign the papers. <laughs> but it was their first house. They were so excited, they were so anxious that they drove through the storm, signed the papers, and then unwisely decided to drive back to Washington, D.C. in a hurricane. They somehow concluded that what was happening to the rest of the eastern seaboard was, as they braced for this disaster, was not going to affect them. Well, it did affect them. They drove into Virginia. They were almost blown off the road. So they got off the road. Every hotel room was filled. They sat in a parking lot in their car without food or water. And finally, when the storm let up, they returned to North Carolina and their new home and thankfully found one fast food restaurant that was still open there are certain events that affect everyone, and everyone will recognize those events and these events that Jesus is describing. Thankfully, our kids returned safely to their home, and it was still standing. Now, when these things begin to take place, stand up and raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. Chaos that accompanies cosmic 
change gets interpreted as indications of redemption. Now, a lot of people I know are not very comfortable with this kind of talk. People who run businesses and people who work in universities and people who work for the armed forces, really anyone who profits from the status quo begins twitching just a little bit with this kind of talk. It's people with little to lose from preserving what is that tremble. People with little to gain from preserving what is take a little bit of delight in this kind of talk when they hear this language that everything is going to be turned over. I think young people generally are more drawn to this language partly because it makes their parents uncomfortable, but partly because they may perceive that the system of things is rigged and unfair and broken and it all needs redemption in some way. Christian hope is envisioned in the midst of present adversity by those who catch a glimpse of what by faith can yet happen. It's not based upon the possibilities inherent in the situation itself. It's based upon the promises of God. According to the New Testament book of Hebrews, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Hope believes that a new beginning will emerge by God's faithfulness, even in the midst of whatever mess we happen to be in at the moment. It's the belief that even in this God-forsaken situation, a new beginning will emerge. So we continue to live faithfully through adversity and trust in the Lord. So a man and his family lived down the block from a church. The house was a mess, so was the yard. The children were poorly cared for, and rumors were that he drank heavily. He was abusive to his wife and to his children. So people in the little Methodist church decided to help him. The preacher came to the house. Some of those in the youth group invited the children to go up the mountain to them on a retreat. The women's group asked her to join in their annual day of prayer. And the man and his family came to church for a few Sundays, but then they quit. That was the last anyone had heard of him until... A few months later, when the preacher ran into him on the street, he didn't recognize him at first. Joe, is that you? Yeah. Yeah, it's me, he said with a smile. At least it's mostly me. I've changed. Well, anyone could see that he had changed. He looked great. So did his house. So did his yard. What had happened? Well, he told the preacher how a few weeks ago a group had come to pray with him after they'd heard that he'd been a drunk. It was a church group. But it wasn't from the nice little Methodist church down the block. These were fire-breathing fundamentalists. They came from across the tracks 
washed in the blood Baptist church. They told him if he didn't stop drinking and beating his wife, he was going to die and burn in hell forever. They told him God was coming to get him, and God was mad. I mean, they really got his attention. They got him to their church where they began to pray for him by name, and they asked God to let him live just a little while longer until they could get him saved. Well, they got his life turned around, inside out and upside down, redeemed. The Methodist preacher said, Look, I'm sorry our church couldn't meet your needs, but I'm really happy that your other church was able to. Preacher, he said, don't feel bad. Your church gave me aspirin. What I needed was massive chemotherapy. Sometimes you just need more than nice language to describe faith. Together here today, we gather with this meal that Jesus has prepared, a nice meal, just Jesus and his friends. We'll have a little food, a little polite conversation. And when we're all settled here at the table, Jesus says, that cup, that cup, it's my blood. This bread, it's my body broken in pieces for you. So you see, if you are to be redeemed, if God is coming to redeem us, redemption will not be cheap. Who can straighten out this mess that the world has become? We dare not be naive about the world. It's broken, it's twisted, and it's sometimes a violent place. Faith understands that. But our hope is not based on the way the world is, but by God's grace, the way it will become. And the church points towards her Lord with hope and confidence that a new beginning is already emerging because of God's faithfulness. So learn to be bilingual. Learn the language of hope. Thanks be to God. Amen.